This is a hot, juicy, dripping, pulsating Soulfire production. Kelly. Connor. What's up? Fuck you. This is our first time actually sitting across from each other in the studio. No, we recorded the other ones like this. This is the first yeah, time filming it. We have it, lights on it. and cameras and all that other shit. Lights you know, it's different. Action. It's a different vibe. Because I'm in, I'm in the Connor Wander seat right now. Whenever we do it the other way, I scoot over. So do I. And it's a whole different vibe. So you're Connor Wander's and I am the Kelly show at this moment. I mean, energy is a thing, Kelly. It is. And the energy of this seat is hot takes delivered in an aggressive manner. He's so aggressive, you guys. So aggressive. Oh, Anyways, I have a, I have a complaint. I have to lodge a formal complaint. <sighs> okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was in the shower screaming. Yeah, because the shower is I where I have the, a grievance. <laughs> Don't let me forget to bring it up on the podcast. The shower is where this occurred. Okay. Oh. Now. What did I do? We all know that when you take a shower, you have a certain like order of operations. Kind of like putting on your clothes, you put on your pants or your socks first, everybody has their own thing. Okay. Okay. And I obviously put the shampoo and conditioner in my hair in a certain order, shampoo and the conditioner, uh-huh. like any other adult human. But I don't think about or look at or diagnose the fucking bottle. Cause you think the shampoo's always on the left. Yes. Okay. Which shampoo are you using? The one in the big brown bottles. The and tall ones on yeah. the right? Yeah. And the shampoo's not on the left? No, you've moved, you've switched them twice. The cleaning lady comes and no. cleans all of it off and then puts it back. And she was just here yesterday. Kelly, I don't move the bottle. This is your responsibility. This I is, should have put them back in order after yes, she was here. 1000%. I'm wasting conditioner because I put it in my hand and then I have to like put it back on top of the soap dispenser thingy because I don't want to waste it because uh-huh. that's wasteful. Uh-huh. And I have to go back and I have to put shampoo in and then I get all confused. Okay. Well, I didn't even know they were out of order because... I, oh yeah, I did shampoo and condition my hair yesterday. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, they're back I, in the right order I, now, but I'd adjusted to them being in the wrong order. I looked at the label and because I, wouldn't I just move, took it from the right. I wouldn't move them around <sighs> because that would have been Do you want me to fire the housekeeper? Is that yeah, I think so. I think we need to, I think she, person. I think she needs to die actually. Connor, don't <laughs> say that. That's awful. What? Jesus. Kelly, I'm obviously not serious. Fucking king of hell over here. Right, dude, you... You know what? I'm angry. I'm on one this today. You are. This, this afternoon. You definitely should record after this. <laughs> this is like a good warm up for you and your fucking dick. Now, listen, listen. <sighs> I get taken, I've been getting taken seriously too much lately. And I don't understand if I'm being too serious. For me or everyone? Just people in general. It's really hard because you often have the same tone. And it's been t- almost two years of me trying to figure out when you're being serious and when you're being funny. And it's not that easy. And I think you think it's easy because you know you're not being serious. But I don't think it's that easy easy for everyone. Part else. of the bit though. Yeah, but you've got it. You've got you, you the whole thing is subtle triggering. Yeah, but it's not very subtle with you. I'm just not gonna <laughs> lie. So there's that. You're not supposed to know if it's real or not. Well then why are you getting upset if people are taking I'm not upset. Serious? I don't give a fuck. Well you're just saying they are. Yeah. Obviously it's bothering you. It's not bothering me. Mm, it would nothing bothers me. <laughs> I'm bulletproof. <laughs> I am bulletproof to people's You guys he's one of the most sensitive people I've ever no, met. No I'm uh, how? You are I've been attacked. I've been literally attacked by young white women. Mm-hmm. 
has done nothing. Has it slowed me down one mile you per hour? You were really upset that day when they were telling you that you like something about rape or that it didn't respect women. That was a thing. Yeah, which that was that's that, that really. But that's you. that's not like you're a douche. That's like an actual accusation that is not true, and that I will like. I know defend but, myself but on. You are sensitive. You do care what people think. Don't act like you don't. Oh, you point. really care what people think, actually. No. But you just go about it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. Well. Everybody cares what people think. Of let's course. Not, let's, not, let's not bullshit ourselves I know, but here. don't sit here and act like you are like, oh, I don't fucking care about anything. Like, you actually really care about a lot of things. I care about people, Kelly. Yeah. I care about people. Okay. And I need to bring them the content they deserve. That's my mission in life. I support that. <laughs> Well, I'm really bummed that it wasn't you that fucked up the shampoo thing now. Well, that ruined my whole bit. Sorry. But I'll start moving some more stuff around. The last cleaning lady we had fucking hid everything we own and we're pretty sure stole some things that we didn't Kelly, want to listen, be stolen. I understand that it didn't want to be stolen. Because well. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a few things out. We just dangle things around to be stolen well, in our I mean, house. Well, I mean, if she to took a Topo Chico, I wouldn't say anything, but she took something of value and. Allegedly. Well, I'm pretty sure. So. Babe, these are the most first world problems. Get, I know. Out, get I sound over like yourself. A dick, but I'm just saying. Oh, your cleaning lady stole something. People are out of the job right now, Kelly. I know. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a, a fake pandemic plaguing there our society. There is a fake pandemic. <laughs> oh my God, we just lost seven. <laughs> bye. <laughs> if you're still listening, but you're about to turn it off, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a there's a, there's a uh, a pandemic light happening right now. Pandemic light. <laughs> and people are having a hard time. Oh man. So we do our part by hiring a cleaning lady. I love and supporting I love the economy. Girl. She's a she's a mom. She's brought her daughter over. She's lovely. She's wonderful at what she does. She crushes it. Connor just can't read. Except so. for the shampoo conditioner situation. Okay, well. Which she will be re- reprimanded for. I'll be sure to let her know. Please, because my boyfriend is an incapable adult. Can you not move things? Listen, I have a third grade reading level. That's a, there's a reason you're reading the article today and not me. I know. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk? Are you nervous? You seem like you're nervous over there. Um. No, I'm not nervous. I'm I'm nervous about later. I'm not nervous about right now. <laughs> so we've got this article from one of my heroes, one of my personal heroes, Mark Manson. It came mm. into my inbox the other day and I said, Kelly. He literally forwarded me this email, which I thought was very cute. And I said, let's use this for OK Babe. Did you print that part out too? Okay. Yeah, you printed out the whole email. Oh, okay. I thought it was adorable. <laughs> he never does that. I am the host of the show. I also do all the content. I do all the uploading, naming the shows, everything aside from editing. Thanks to our incredible team at Soulfire Productions. Uh, shameless plug. But when Connor wants to contribute, I'm very much here for it. Yay. I contributed to somebody besides myself. Oh. I am I am just a giver. You are such a giver. You're such the a most giver. selfish giver I've ever met. Okay, so <laughs> this article is called People Just Don't Fuck Like They Used To. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... Basically, the premise, it says the pandemic baby bus. So everyone thought that people were going to do all the sex and have all the babies because of the pandemic. Because they were bored. We're all locked up. We're bored. What else do you do? And actually, the reverse happened. And so basically, they thought this baby boom was was happening. And he said this prediction was super unlikely. And he was right because constant exposure to your partner does not increase sexual tension. It removes it. Sexual desire thrives off novelty, spontaneity, distance, and challenge, not to mention people dressing up and looking hot for each other a pandemic provides opportunity for exactly none of these things yeah exactly none of so we were saying a lot of our friends actually did have babies in the last year but they had their babies in like february march they were already having their kids yeah they were either they got pregnant at the very beginning when it wasn't even like a, a thing but since then i don't know anybody who's aside from one person i don't really know anybody who's gotten pregnant no knowing 
what's going on. Well, I mean, you and I are in the middle of fertility testing to do yeah, IVF. Yeah, but that's like... No, let me finish my fucking okay, sentence. Okay, do what you need to do. And we were talking about doing the implantation this spring or summer, and we both looked at each other on New Year's Day, mid Kelly Tenant breakdown, and we're like, yeah, we're not doing that. We don't <laughs> want to be pregnant in this right now. Not to shame anyone who is pregnant or is thinking about getting pregnant. Everyone do what you got to do. For us, it just does not feel like the right time for many reasons, but part of it because of pandemic. Well, a lot of it was because there was things... I wanted to do and you wanted to do mm-hmm. before having a kid yeah. that were very likely to happen before having a kid that we lost complete access to. Yeah. I was telling, Oh, I was talking to Nosley, my best friend who is about to give birth in four days. And, um, she said, what's going on with all of your stuff. And I said, you know what? I said, Connor and I haven't even been together two years yet. And an entire year of that has been in a fucking pandemic. So we have a lot of things we want to do. We want to go hunting. We want to go to Hawaii for an extended time. We want to go to New Zealand. We want to do all the things and whatever. I'm not ready to give that up for a baby when I have haven't had the amount of fun that I really wanted to have with my man. Yeah. And we just, and also we just haven't been together that long. We got, yeah. we got some things, we got some things to get, get to get done. Yes. Like the fun stuff. Yes. You know, we're, the kids are going to be cool. Kids are going to be so cool. And we're young. You're 34. I'm 33. Everything's good. Everything is good. But this, this is a really interesting thing because at the beginning of the pandemic, we had our sex life went from like a hundred <laughs> to zero. Mm-hmm. Part of it was stress. I think we were sitting there watching the news all day, every day for God, a couple Rachel weeks. Rachel Maddow had me stressed, stressed out. I still so resent the stressed. fuck out of her for that. Yeah, everybody. And then you were like having to give up your whole career and that was scary and income was dwindling and Soulfire hadn't really launched yet. I mean, it had, but we weren't really making money and it was a very highly stressful time. We also had a puppy. We got Remy in February. So you add that to fuel to the fire. We were exhausted. So we weren't having sex because of that. And then we started to get annoyed as fuck at each other. And then found out my mom was dying. So then I was back and forth and stressed because my mom was dying. It was just like one thing after the next. Yeah. Who wants to have sex with someone when there is no room to breathe and you literally feel like you're on top of each other? Yeah. No, it's, you know what this brought up for me actually as, we're, as you were just reading through that huh. was the Rat Park experiment. Are you familiar with that? No. So they used to do, remember all those old like dare dare era drug kind of stories. Or I'm trying to think they, they had these like handful of like examples, right? Yeah. Like they're kind of iconic. Like the here's your brain, here's your brain on drugs, oh, and mm-hmm. the skillet, which is like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Um, you know Reagan era bullshit. But they had this thing talking about how uh, they would give rats uh, cocaine with or water with cocaine in it, and they would just keep hitting the lever to get cocaine until they died. Oh Jesus! Right, and that was in in like a lab rat experiment. But what they found out is that if they put the rats and like, um, like, you know, those gerbil, uh, things where they have like toys and they can have the wheel to run on and they mm-hmm. can like play and have a good time, like a more interactive environment that the addiction rate with the same cocaine water and the same lever, everything was the same. The addiction rates of the rats was actually the same as the addiction rates within humans. Wow. And they would play and they would like, someone would come try it and do it every now and then. <laughs> like, do, like, they'd be like people are with cocaine pretty much. Most people that use cocaine, um, would come and do it, but they would also like fuck and play and have a good time and do their whole thing. But when you put them in an environment where there's nothing else to do, they would just hit that paddle till they, till they died. Mm-hmm. And it would just, you know, they would change their neurochemistry and they would get fucked up and they would overdose, which is actually what's happening in this pandemic, which is one of the biggest things that I'm most frustrated about is like underreporting that. Like if we're going to have a ticker of people that are dying on our screen every day of like, oh, it's 400,000. Oh, it's 400, you know, 400,000, five, whatever. It's a, it's a bunch of fucking people, right? We have that ticker. We should have a ticker that says automobile accidents, overdoses, suicides, child suicide. Let's just not, let's just have a fucking uh, Wall Street style um, stock market chart of deaths if we're going to do that because you want to fucking scare people. Mm -hmm. That's what you should do. Because when have we ever had, do we have one of those for the war in the Middle East that's happened for 20 years? Let's put a death ticker on amount of innocent people who have died thanks to drone strikes. There's so many fucked up things in the world going on. And 
we just hyper focus on this anyways, but it brought that idea of like, when you have people out and about doing things, you're going to have more sexual tension, sexual desire, more playfulness. Like that playfulness gets infused into your relationship and that results in fucking. But if you're wearing sweatpants and you don't ever put on makeup and you don't ever do your hair and you're in a messy bun all the time, which is fine on the weekends. Right. It's fine to have like day sex on a Sunday when you're being lazy. That's cool. But if that's if, if you're if you're doing that all the time and you're only dressed from the waist up to have Zoom meetings like that's not real. And it's not that you need to be dressed up for your man or that your man needs to get dressed up for you. But if your dude's laying around all day on the fucking couch with his laptop on his belly like a fucking otter in sweatpants, <laughs> like that's not hot either. Like it goes both ways. You know what I mean? Well, and I think it's not just. I, like I'm not dressed up sexy for you to be attracted to me. I'm not dressed up sexy for me to even be attracted to myself. Yeah, to feel sexy. Yeah, I don't want to like show up feeling that way. I want to feel my best self. It's why self-care and taking care of yourself and making yourself a priority is so important to have a good, happy, fulfilling sex life. It's not just, oh, let me do all these things so I can be the best, hottest version of myself for you. I come in with a way different energy if I'm taking care of myself. Yeah, Exactly. And I, I think I, something that I did was through this whole thing was like found things that excited me. Cause if I was excited about a thing, then it took my mind off of all the crazy other shit that was going on. Something that I had access to doing or learning or whatever. And that gave us like some space, which was really, really helpful. Well, and I think just like you're just saying, giving each other space consciously and sleeping in different rooms and leaving the house and you going off in your adventures and your hunting and whatever. And me trying to spend time with my girlfriends and just really creating separation. I think we, one, found a new rhythm, but two, it brought back that desire that we needed. Yeah. And it was so funny how reductionist the whole view of... And we heard this on like mainstream media, which is generally trash, but yeah, there was going to be this big baby boom, this COVID baby boom. And it just like did not pan out that way at all. Yeah. But divorces are up to the roof. Yeah. Exactly. Divorce attorneys are somebody who do not need stimulus. I think the last number I saw paid. was 300% up, which brings me to my next point in this article. So, um, I thought this was kind of funny. Basically, Mark Manson looked into some research and it surveyed households in the U S and the Netherlands. And it found that having a teenage daughter raises the probability of divorce, which made me laugh. And then I said, yeah, duh. And this is what it said. What the researchers found was that fathers with traditional beliefs about sex and gender norms, i.e. no daughter of mine will ever leave my house looking like a whore, was predictive of family problems and divorce once their daughters reach puberty. As soon as the girls are old enough to become interested in boys, fathers become judgmental pricks. And everything falls apart after that. Yeah. You know, I was at the gym one time in my hometown of Graham, Texas, and there was this guy there, a military guy. Like, like if you know Mr. Buzzcut from Beavis and Butthead, if anybody watched Beavis and Butthead, like that guy, like the quintessential gym douche Marine guy. Now, not, not, all, not that all Marines are douches. Like a bunch of buddies that are Marines, but like this guy was that guy, like roided up to the gills, traps to his ears and just like loud and obnoxious. And he had caught his stepdaughter sexting with some dude who was like also like 15. Like it was age appropriate, but they mm -hmm. were sexting or whatever on Facebook Messenger or something. And he had found them and like went to this kid's house and like scared the shit out of him. This guy's terrifying. He's I'm, I'm scared of this guy. I'm not scared of many people, but this guy seems like it's not only that he's like jacked and a Marine is that he has like he seems like he has like a he's like a jarhead. He's got a screw loose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you've killed people. So I'm, I'm now like this is a different game, you know, terrify the shit out of this kid and like. I was thinking, and his daughter's fucking 15 years old. I'm like, listen, dude, like if you're, if you have a daughter who's 15 and I, I want to hold this because this is hard to wrap my mind around, but if you have a daughter who's 15, you gotta remember what it was like when you were 15 and you gotta be comfortable with the fact that 15 year old girls are probably giving hand jobs and 15 year old boys are probably trying to get hand jobs. 
And that's just what 15 year olds fucking do. And it sucks to think about your little girl being that way. How does that make you feel on the inside? It makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) It makes me incredible. Of course it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, that's just what we were doing at that age. That's what people do at that age. You know what I'm saying? It's just that, that you're figuring yourself out. Your hormones are raging. You don't have a, a, a clue of what's going on inside of your body. You're incredibly confused, right? To, to think that 15-year-olds make rational decisions are, is, is, is so ridiculous. To think that 18 or 20-year-olds make rational decisions is, is naive. And so we got to give ourselves a little bit of grace here. And like it, it, you just pile the fucking shame on top of all of those desires that you don't really understand. It just fucking makes it causes a problem. And of course, moms know what's going on more than dads do. So that probably causes a divide. A lot more, a lot of times. So it's, yeah, I, I totally, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Teenage daughters are a trip. I can't, I can't, I I, yeah. So it's scared. My mom said something really horribly mean to me when I was like 15 or 16. She says, I hope you have a daughter just like you one day. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> that's the meanest thing you could say. You could have a daughter like me. Oh God. <laughs> Fuck me. Actually don't. <laughs> No, but I think it's, it is, that is true. I feel like there's a lot to be said about that. I feel nervous because I am a sexually liberated, open human as are you. And what does that mean for our children? Because I didn't grow up like this. I wasn't taught these things. I feel like the conversations are going to look a lot different with you and I as parents. So then what does that mean about our children engaging in sex and being embodied and sexual humans? Well, I think a couple of things could slash will happen. Depending on how many kids we have, I think you're going to have one. Depending, I, who knows what the world's going to be like in 18 years or whatever. Um, but if it was now, let's just say we had like kids now, you probably have one who like went the opposite direction and gets into like purity culture and wants to go to church with their friends. Oh, no. You'd have one who's probably more similar to us and like our favorite, most likely. And then you're gonna have another one who's like goes full like non-binary. expresses himself in that way because there's like so many options, which is all fine. I feel like those are like extremes. Yeah. I feel like they'll be more kind of in the middle. No, that's a cute idea. Uh, I guess. Tell me, tell me how many 13 year olds are, are, are except nuance in reality. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I'm my brother and I are extremely different people. So that makes sense. We yeah. Made extremely different life decisions. Now we kind of are more in the middle and yeah, cause you're adults. Yeah. Adul- adults then, drift closer together. That's why college campuses are full of idiots. Yeah. It's like assholes with MAGA hats yelling at assholes with purple hair. And it's like, you, neither one of you guys have ever had a fucking job. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like your opinions are so valuable. Like that's, you look at a college campus and that's like the maximum divisiveness. Now that's pervaded into our entire culture because those people go get jobs at the New York times as journalists, but it, it, we have that, like that's, that's where we go. So you got to think that like your kids are going to push against whatever it is that you do. You can be so woke and liberated and sexually expressive and, healthy and your kids are just going to go the other way because fuck you. Cause you're the parents. Mm-hmm. It's just something you gotta, and you gotta just be like, okay, cool. And then you've got to play the role of like, now I'm mad about it because that's what they want you to feel. And that's actually healthier for you to be arguing with them and making them defend themselves versus like giving them more free reign because then they're all they're looking for is a response from you. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad that I'm a co-parent of yours? Mm. Potentially. Mm. Potentially. <laughs> what the fuck is that? We got to put the seed in. We do. We don't know. Nothing's guaranteed. Okay. The so, Lord works in mysterious ways, Kelly. Yes. His will be done. Keep, what is it your mom says? Keep the door cracked open. Keep the door open just a little bit for Jesus. <laughs> oh, you know, every time she talks about Jesus, it makes me think do he's like think a peeping she, Tom. Do you think she, <laughs> do you think she's going to take our kids to church behind our backs? Uh, she given the wrath 
that she's experienced for me when it comes to Christianity and like her expression of her Christianity in my own life. Like I think she would be, uh, she would be hesitant to do, she wouldn't do it without my permission. Yeah. And I think she respects me. So I don't think she would do that. Yeah, no, I would let them go, but I would let them go. I'd I'd already like, I would already, I would have planted so many weird seeds in their head. I would have, they would be, they would just be straight trolling that whole Sunday school group. It'd be hilarious. I would just, I would give them really high level questions to ask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about Christianity. <laughs> so we have some stuff to talk about. Oh, do we now, Kelly? We do. But before we get into that, I want to tell everyone about our friend Kelly McDonald Arnold's podcast, Higher Sex. New show. Okay. I love this woman. I just had her on my podcast, The Kelly Show, a couple weeks ago, and I'm obsessed with her. She lives in Canada. She's a sex therapist. Kelly is one of the most approachable cool, down-to-earth therapist you will ever meet. And she just has a really amazing educational approach to sexuality, relationships, how to ask better questions, something I talk about a lot, how to be curious and inquisitive, um, something I know you're super passionate about. And we love being able to support Kelly and and have this show as a part of Soul Prior Productions. So if you're looking for someone who is super legit and has studied this stuff and is way smarter than me and Connor. I highly recommend you go listen to Higher Sex. We'll make sure we put the link to the show in the show notes, but she's a really special person. I learned a lot from being with her and the questions she asked and just her reflections back to me and in, in our time together. So I definitely recommend going over and getting she, she's, she's a legit sex educator, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if I had her on The Realness to debate with some right-wing kind of like abstinence education person? That'd be interesting. I don't know if that's necessarily her personality to do that. I think that would be more of Alexa's vibe from that sex chick. Mm, that works. Alexa is a pretty, what's the word? Um, confrontational. Oh yeah. I don't, we don't need confrontation. I just, I would just, I hear, I get a lot of this lately. Yeah. I get, I've been getting a lot of those people in my, on you my You should feed. get Kelly and Alexa. That would be interesting. Yeah. I would love to host that. Anyways, well, if you guys are interested in something like that, let us know. Shoot yeah, us a DM because I think that so would be cool. fun. I'll put that together real quick. I would love, I would love that. So this is why I was nervous. Um, <laughs> I have an awkward smile on my face. Um, so Connor and I got ourselves in an interesting situation. <laughs> it's kind of our, it's kind of on brand. It is on brand. <gasps> I'm like, I'm, I'm straight up just dripping. Drip, drip. Drip, drip. No. So here's the thing. Moving to Colorado from California made me really dehydrated. And I just felt for the past year, super dehydrated. I didn't feel like I was replenishing at all with electrolytes. I wasn't making a conscious effort. Um, and it became a problem for sure. And I noticed it even in my workouts that I was just always dehydrated. I wasn't drinking enough water. And so our friend um, started working for Element and gave us some just to try. And we have been absolutely addicted. Even if they did not give us product or have a sponsorship with them, I would buy this and drink it every single day. It's fun. You can make the cocktails too. Yes. The skinny margs with the Mm -hmm. lemon habanero, which is my favorite. Yeah. Um, But it's, yeah, there's so many things like hiking, working out. And it's, 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 it's weird because it applies so broadly, Mm -hmm. right? If like, if you live in Texas and you're sweating your ass off all summer at the CrossFit gym or whatever, and it's a bajillion degrees, like you're going to have to compensate for that. If you live in Colorado where it's dry and high altitude, altitude, you got to compensate for that. When I'm in the mountains, elk hunting or whatever, like I'm going to have stacks of that stuff. And I just literally, and I did this, I used to do it with noon, 
but I'm so, I like, I like elements so much better. Yeah. It tastes way better. And the other thing I really like is for those of you who do any type of fasting, intermittent fasting, it's really, really good for that. And Connor and I both, yeah, keto, Connor and I both do that. And so we won't eat until the afternoon a lot, um, but we'll have the element in the morning or during a workout. And that feels like it's really, really nourishing for your body and you're replenishing even when you're not eating food and it helps curb all of your cravings, especially if you're someone who loves carbs. Uh, this is very helpful for yeah, it's that. A nice, it's a nice way to curb cravings for sure. Especially the, the chocolate, which I, I was was underrated, by the way. Underrated. The chocolate, you mix it with a little bit less water, but heat it up and do like a hot chocolate situation. And, and you it's can like drop a, a little, a couple of droppers of stevia in there. But I, I go, I roll with it. I like savory better, but yeah. it's like a salty chocolate. It's like a salty, salty hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, it's yeah. so, so fucking good. good. With a little bit of almond milk, not too much. Mm-hmm. Just enough to make it a little bit creamy. Yeah. But yeah, love this stuff. And if you want to try it out, they got a deal for you. You can get an eight pack, um, a variety pack for $5, just covering shipping. I think it has a citrus salt, the unflavored, um, and a couple Maybe other ones. Maybe raspberry. Raspberry, some of the really popular ones. Mm-hmm. But man, the lemon habanero, I love so it. And it's weird. I don't usually like flavored things first thing in the morning, but I love. Connor asks me every day, babe, can you make me an element, please? Yeah, well, it's usually at night too when I want a snack. I'm yeah. like, I need to have this instead. I'm like, trying yes, to babe. trying to lean out here. You make it better Summer's than coming. I do. You okay. do not make it better because you don't stir it up as well as I you do. You always say you make it better. Than That's me. just because I want you to make it. I don't oh. want to make it. <laughs> but anyways, if you want to get that deal, you can go to Drink Element. That's D R I N K L M N T dot com slash Wanders. This is gonna be a little different code because this is my code. This yes. is my thing, Kelly. Okay. Okay. Get out of here. Whatever. Whatever. But that's drinkelement.com. We're gonna put the um. Put that link in the show notes and you're going to get that deal. But I'm telling you, stock up, like yeah. get, get, get your, get your eight pack for five bucks and just cover shipping. It's basically free. Do that, but also grab a couple other packs because this stuff is the jam and you're going to be glad you have it, especially if you're active. If yes. you're active, you got to treat yourself right. Stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. And if you're having long drawn out three hour fuck sessions, Ooh. you're going to need to hydrate. I just got extra moist. Okay. <laughs> Can we wrap this up? I gotta go. All right. (laughs) Drinkelement.com slash wanders. Get some. And um yeah so we met this girl and we both really liked her and most of the people that we've been with have been one time or a couple times and then that's it which is great and fine and was like perfect for where we were but this person happens to be a repeat guest (laughs) friend of the show friend of the show (laughs) what are we gonna call her i don't know I didn't think about this beforehand. I didn't either. Roxanne? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Roxy? Roxy. So Roxy is um, like a part of our lives now. It's really interesting. I guess we could say that we're dating this person and it has brought up a lot of things and has been extremely challenging and extremely eye-opening. And yeah, it has, it has been an interesting month or so since this has been, has it been a month? Yeah, about Something a month. Something like that, yeah. I don't know where I want to go with this. Can you chime in so I can like gather nope. myself? Nope. Remember when I was crying on the podcast and you didn't say shit and you didn't even let me edit it? Sit in this, Kelly. Say what you need to say. 
Speak I'm your so feelings. happy. Yeah. You're I having am. a great time. Then you get mad at yourself for being happy, which is really fun to watch. Yeah. Let's talk about that because that's actually why it's been so challenging. I, it has really brought up this fear of like joy and play and feeling good. And so it feels like things will be really good and I'll have peace of mind about it and understanding. And I just am like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then that night or the next day, or a couple of days later, my mind starts reeling and I just start panicking. And I'm thinking, it can't be this easy. It can't be this good. Something has to be wrong. Something has to be difficult. And so I, I find myself even like choosing fights with you or like making things up that didn't happen or coming at you for things that you didn't do. And then I... I'm upset. And five minutes later, I don't know what even caused me to be upset. And so then I'm embarrassed and then I cry. And it's like this really let's, weird Let's bring cycle. up the example from the other day because this was really funny. Is that I was, I guess, almost said a real name. Uh, <laughs> Roxanne. Oh, God. <laughs> Roxanne um, was coming over. And I like texted her asking if she had any like requests for anything that would happen that night. And then you got all butthurt because I didn't ask you for any requests, which I didn't remember. I mean, this was just like a thing. I didn't really, I wasn't like, it wasn't orchestrated on my end. Until you talked yourself into remembering that I had asked you if you had any requests. Request that morning that morning because <laughs> you were mad at me for something I actually did even though I didn't remember that I did it and I was like oh yeah I did ask you didn't I it was the weirdest thing and I was like it just it was like a 10 minute ordeal it wasn't uh-huh. like a whole thing but it was so funny I was like yeah oh, wait I did ask you if you had any requests it was so funny yeah you've been tripping I have been tripping <laughs> It's been like, I don't know. It's here's the thing about when you, you embark on this journey, Dutch is just going back and forth between us getting snow. Yeah, his tail was all in my video feed over here. Here's the thing. When you embark on this journey, there has to be a willingness for shit to come up. And if you're not willing to really look at it, not only on an individual level, but in your partnership, then I do not recommend this for you because it can be incredibly challenging. And this is why a lot of people don't do it because the things that come up with us in this experience are not things that would necessarily come up without it, right? You're really pushing buttons and pushing boundaries and putting yourselves in scenarios that can be very uncomfortable for most people. And so the level of insecurity and fear and core wounds that are constantly being brought up to look at is absurd. And sometimes it feels like a full-time job trying to navigate this emotionally. Yeah. But what I will say is that we were talking about this the other day of how productive our fights are. You and I don't really like getting super intense, crazy heated fights. Maybe we'll get really heated for like 90 seconds of it. And then the rest of it is kind of probably like once every like eight months. Yeah. Those are the really bad ones. But I would say we fight at least once a week, which feels yeah, pretty fight, normal to yeah, me. Yeah, fight is like, well, like argue, a loose term, yeah. Whatever. We argue, we have different perspectives and so we kind of got to go back and forth in a heated way to, to hash it out. But what we were saying the other day is that we have really productive fights where when we come out of it, we actually take five steps forward, which feels amazing because we don't surface level fight, we really get to it. And I credit both of us for doing the work to be that transparent and to share what we really want. You said this the other day, you're someone who needs to have your back against the wall and like feel, you know, pressure in order to really share what you desire or how you're feeling. I will just share it willy nilly because yeah, that's but I don't know. I it's not that I don't want to. It's like no, I, tr- I, I try. It just it's hard happens for you. the way it happens. Yeah, you know? it's hard for you and it's different and that's OK. We've learned to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I just manufacture situations where I feel like I'm up against the wall, even though I'm not. Just, right. Yeah. I like hacked, hacked my own 
emotional expression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do it well. But we get to that point and I feel like we take a bunch of steps forward and we have a lot of clarity and compassion and understanding for one another. And I think that's a huge part of what I've learned in this experience is how to converse in a way that feels productive and thoughtful and caring for the other person's experience. Because I think that I'm a really giving, loving person, but in relationship have been incredibly selfish in a lot of ways. Though I'm a people pleaser, I also have been very manipulative in my people pleasing to get my way. So I would say- Well, people pleasing is selfish. Right. And so I would say I've been incredibly selfish. It's one of the hardest forms of selfishness to deal with because it hides behind- Totally. And altruism I, or I talk giving. about that in my program all the time, but when you're in it, it's a lot harder than when you're teaching about it, right? To call yourself out and say, hey, <laughs> yeah. you're being fucking selfish and manipulative. <laughs> yeah. And so, That's so true. I, I consciously in our relationship wanted to operate differently than in my past relationships and to not be so selfish. And so I really, because of this, have had to call myself out when there, things are imbalanced and I have more freedom than you or I get to do more things or it is more about me than you. And really looking at your experience and understanding where you're coming from and hearing you. And then finding common ground where we can both get what we need. That has been really, really powerful for me. Yeah. Well, it also brought up like just a fundamental, it it exposed just the fundamental differences in kind of our life philosophies too. Mm -hmm. And just the way that we live our lives, which isn't a bad thing. It's part of what makes this whole thing work is because there's a balance in that. And we have our dedicated responsibilities as far as what our, what our role is in our relationship. But, um, it like, when you look at that, when you, when you start thinking about the way that you navigate the situation that we're in now, it really exposes the gap between the way that you see the world and the way I see the world. Why don't you explain what that is? Well, I, and it's, I think it's a lot of a product. I mean, you and I, the way that our lives worked from childhood to adulthood were, could not be more opposite. Mm-hmm. Even though we were both athletes and we had like similar things and whatever, like you were better than I was, you're smarter than I was. Right. So you, you got to like hold on to that stuff, which is a very control focused situation. I grew up in a situation where it was chaos. It was very unconventional, not by anybody's fault. It just like, that's the way it was going to be. Right. Um, you know, parents were inconsistent at best, um, toxic at worst, you know? So I, that kind of manufactured something that I think was already there. Right. But it brought it to the, to the forefront of just kind of this, you're not fucking owed anything. No one knows what the fuck's going to happen. You can't control your feelings. You know, and that's the thing is like little things like my mom struggling with addiction when I'm growing up. Right. And I'm so incredibly proud of her for the fact that you could not even tell unless you have a conversation about you would never know. Mm -mm. Right. Which to me gave me so much context on the struggles that people have, especially when it comes around um, substance abuse issues and where that comes from. And all like it gave me an insight into so much, gave me so much compassion at the end of the day. But when you grow up in that, there's a different perspective on what matters and what you can control. Right. Because if nothing makes sense. You kind of have to either, either you're going to lose your fucking mind because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that your mom like comes and goes, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so when you get in that situation, it's, it does give you a bend to be kind of like, I don't really have any control over anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel. I mean, and that's one of the things we talked about with our relationship is like that mentality is what got me into this relationship in the first place, right? Like I had no expectations of what was going to happen. I wasn't looking for a life partner. I wasn't like calling in my whatever the fuck, I don't know, my twin flame or some shit. I was just doing my thing. And I had made a decision that I'm just going to do my thing at in the best that I can do it. And if somebody, you know, is down with that, then we'll probably cross paths sometime because that's kind of the way the universe works. And I don't need to fucking force it to happen, you know? And that's kind of the way I am with everything. 
like Connor Wanders, the other podcast I do, which is what I spend 80% of my time doing now um, when I'm not doing soul fire work or trying to figure out where I'm going to go hunting next time. Uh, Just was like, this feels right. I'm going to do this. There wasn't like any game plan. There wasn't any, I just like sat down, made a run sheet and it hasn't really changed much. Just like, this is kind of what it is a little bit here and there. Um, but that's just kind of the way that I operate, which is it's symbiotic with your, the way that you operate, which is a much more control based reality and it works well in our relationship. But sometimes when you add in like another variable, it exposes kind of a gap between the way that you see things. Because when we were talking about this and we were spending a lot of time, we still are spending a lot of time with her. It's like, okay, well I'm pretty open-minded to what this can be. Like I don't really, but I'm also not attached to what it could be either. Like that you have, cause that's where people get mixed up is like being open-minded, but attached to I don't know, whatever, like is it the attachment? That's why I love Buddhism so much. It's like this, it's like the art of detaching from expectations. So for me, that's like, that's something I hold dear because it's, it served me really well. And it also just ma- it helps me live a happier life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many things that are out of your control and I'm okay with that. Like it doesn't scare me to know that when I die, like I have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. And that scares me zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that moves the needle. Not at all. I'm like, Oh, I'm curious about what that's going to be like. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I'm with you hundred percent on that spot. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. That's like the extreme. Right. Right. Um, it's everything in between that causes yeah. me to have a hernia, but you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> but you're like, Oh, we can't, it can't do this and it can't be that. And this, and it's, it, we were getting this kind of argument about like, what was appropriate because the things we were doing, when we were together. I felt like on the scale of one to 10, we're like at an eight of like, uh, what word am I looking for? Like, um, openness, openness or permissive behavior. Um, but then other things like we could only go to a three on, and it was hard for me to navigate that. Cause I'm like, does it really fucking matter? I don't know. I'm just like doing, just doing the thing. And it seems like it's going really well and it's really fun. Then you were stressed out. And then I'm like, what are you stressed out about? But then it also made me realize because one of the things I had was so considerate of and so concerned about when it came to like non-monogamy was the relationships that I had been in were very manipulative. I felt. And from the outside looking in, I'm not speaking for anybody else's experience. I don't know what the fuck was going on with any of that, but I've been around some stuff that I felt was like, mm, that seems kind of shady to me. And then I realized in your moments of vulnerability, when you're kind of tripping, how easy it would be to accidentally gaslight you into you believing what I wanted you to believe, mm-hmm. which I had to be like pumping. It was fucking weird. Cause I was like, Oh, here, here, and I was like, a statement would come to mind of something to say. And I have to like run it through this. Like, is that gaslighting filter, mm-hmm. which is a lot of times why I didn't say anything at all. And then you'm sure you noticed that. Cause I was like, I don't know what to fucking say here because if I say the other thing, this thing is like not accurate, but this thing makes me feel like I'm now manipulating you to get what I want, which is not at all how I want to operate in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most interesting things for me. Yeah, that is interesting. And I definitely got to a point where I felt like, am I doing this for me or for you? And because you bring these things up and when you were able to talk about that too, which I thought was good. Yeah. And like you plant the seeds and you say these things and then, and I say no, and I'm super resistant. And then all of a sudden we're in the situation that I said no to a year ago that you had been like joking about or planting seeds with. And then I'm like, did I get manipulated into this? And that's where it got dicey for me too, because I had to really sit with myself. And I even called Alexa, our friend who hosts that sex chick podcast, who is a sex and relationship coach. And I called her because I don't really have a lot of people I can talk to above me in terms of experience. You know, I can talk about it and share, but I need someone above me to be like, yo, bro, this is okay. One of the best things about Alexa is that she has so much 
lived experience to share. Yeah. And so we had like an hour and a half Zoom call of me sobbing and journaling and sharing and this whole thing. And I really had to grapple with and ask myself the hard questions of, is this what you want or is it what you don't want? Is this what you want and you're uncomfortable because you want it and you're admitting it? Or is it what you don't want and you're freaking out because you got talked into something you didn't want? And I sat with that for days and days and days. And I finally realized that every time something happens that I want and then I feel shame or guilt or bad about, I panic because I want it and I don't know what to do with that feeling. And I kept telling you, I feel confused and conflicted because I'm having a lot of feelings I've never had before and it's really scary. And the other day when I feel like we had our final breakthrough conversation, because we were arguing about this for like two weeks straight and it was, it got pretty uncomfortable and like for both of us and just... It was everything and all that we were doing every day. But well, and where I was uncomfortable, and I, I don't want to interject here too much, but because you're on a tear and I like it, it's but okay. it was I was being put in a situation where I had to talk about things that I was not prepared to talk about and didn't feel like they were appropriate to be talked about at that time. Mm-hmm. Like it was like this is too much, too fast of like having to analyze this whole thing. It just didn't feel like it's like trying. It's like with us, it was different. But in most times when someone's like, well, what are, when we were watching Billions earlier and he was talking about he some a couple of some people had just slept together and he was like talking about us, like started using us and they had slept together one time and hung out like twice. Like it felt like that. It was like, this is too, we're talking about things too, that are too serious for where we're at, but it made sense and it was valid. It's just, that's what I felt whenever we were in that situation. I just had a realization. Good. I don't specifically remember the conversation that created that dynamic where you were forced into talking about it, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to say what it was. Cause I, if we're vague, this is a really bad <laughs> fucking show. So my realization right now is that my biggest fear is you falling in love with her and vice versa, her falling in love with you. And then you guys leaving me and that being in what people call a thruple or a triad in this space, don't fucking Google it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But this is where my head went that if that, if I allowed that to be something that could happen, that my worst fear would happen. And so I fucking made you talk about being in a thruple in order to confirm my belief that this horrible thing is going to happen when that's not even what you were asking for. You were just saying, I want to be open to this experience. And I basically forced you to say the thing I wanted you to say to confirm my deepest fear. That makes sense. Well, and that was, it the, does, and right? that was the thing. Cause it wasn't like, this is what I want. It was like, I'm open to that, I guess. If that's where like that feels right and that's what everybody When you kept saying if everybody wants something and everyone feels good, why are we going to sit here and be like absolutely not? Like if this feels good for you and it feels good for me and it feels good for her, where are we going to sit here and be like that's not allowed? And that's what I was doing. I just kept saying that's not allowed, that's not allowed. Nope, not okay. But you've done that numerous times and you cross your own boundaries every fucking time every and I'm time. to the point where I'm like, god, can we just just, just chill with the chill with the rules because you didn't I think you're doing it so you can break your own rules too. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> Coach well, no, it's like you're such a, you're such a, it's like part, it's a, it's like, um, part of a, it's like a virtue signal to yourself. It's like, let me show you how much I've grown. I can break my own rules and then like talk damn, about it on the podcast. Damn. That's so good. Oh, I, we don't talk about this stuff in person this way. I love that people are hearing this for the first time with me. I love being called out. Oh. I actually really do. Not in the moment when it's terrible, but like this. Cause you were talking about that and you were so up in arms about it. And I'm like, Oh God, in three months, she's going to be in the total other, other side of this. And she's going to be reconciling it. And it's going to be this big, beautiful experience, which is great. <laughs> but I'm like, now I have to be dragged through the shit and talk about all this and like be the fucking bad guy. Because I'm like, 
with for my lack of decision i'm just like yeah cool that could be a thing like whatever uh, like, God. okay so this <laughs> like you could be like do you want to start a fucking hippie commune in the mountains i'd be like cool that sounds like a good idea i'm open to it like i don't fucking and you can uh, the, the planting seed things is funny too because i plant if you if you thought that was the case i plant seeds for like everything like if i if, if my all of my seeds germinated we would have the most ridiculous rainforest of all time yeah i put pl- that, that's the case i planted a seed for a motorcycle today mm-hmm. to be the governor of colorado mm-hmm. um moving to new zealand mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What else did I plant a seed for? <laughs> Letting me be alone with Roxanne. Well, that's not planting a seed. Well, it was I guess. just like that's whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's a lot of things. Yeah, so it's like mm-hmm. you could find anything that we do and be like, oh, well, Connor planted the seed for this six months ago, and I'm like, did I? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, like, I just like to talk about rain. Like, I just like to you go down just the rabbit say hole. you know. This is what you do. Yeah. And this is what we used to fight about. You don't have a filter. So thoughts in your head come out your mouth and you don't think. There's like no stopping point usually. It's just direct brain to mouth, brain to mouth. It's gotten better. It's gotten way better. But we used to fight about this all the time because I was like, can you fucking like figure out how to not say every single thing that comes into your brain. And now you do. And I'm like, whatever. Like, well, see, the thing was, I was filtering things out. <laughs> well, not enough. <laughs> My filter just got clogged because there were so many thoughts. Yeah. Cause I'm a genius. Okay. So that, so the thing that that brings up for me, because I think this is a question people would have, and I kind of have it too, actually, is I think boundaries are important, especially in a threesome dynamic or anything along those lines, mm-hmm. because respecting other people not crossing boundaries that would be disrespectful or unacceptable in a relationship where those are your agreements. That's a big deal, right? Like if you and I have this scenario and then tomorrow you go and find a girl and have sex with her. And then I'm just, I'm using an example. If you go do that and come back, well, that's a boundary I have. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're also talking about releasing a lot of boundaries and not making so many rules. So I would love for you to explain to me what you think maybe the difference is between those two things where we have boundaries where like, I don't have sex with other men. That's a boundary for you. But we're talking about not having so many to the point where it's a constant discussion of, does that make sense? Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's like a blanket removal of boundaries. I think it's like you kind of whittle away at them as they, but that's what we're doing. And you're telling me that it's just me making rules to break. No, this is different because you, because you get out of your skis, you get ahead of yourself. You're making rule. You're you're projecting onto a future that doesn't exist, uh-huh. and then making rules for a hypothetical. So you're just like stacking up assumptions on top of each other, right? But you sleeping with other women and me sleeping with other men are hypotheticals, and we have boundaries around that. I understand. So how is that different? Because we're not. Because that's not a thing that we're even entertaining, is it? No. Well, then what? Like, it's not, it's just not, it's not like a, it's not our purview. It's just not really. It's not even a conversation. Yeah. We're just like, okay. Like that's not, that doesn't, that takes up zero uh, middle real estate. So boundaries. Okay. So give me examples of boundaries that you and I would have, whether there are ones we have or ones we could have in the scenario we are in now. What are some boundary examples you would give? That we have? Yes. That feel like positive, important boundaries that people could be like, if I did this, yeah, those would be boundaries that I would want to put in place that feel good and aren't limiting, but allow me to feel respected and safe in this container. Well, I mean, they have one where me, us and, or me, like like me and Roxanne, don't, don't hang out when you're out of town. That's the one that we have, mm-hmm. unless you say to, mm-hmm. which you haven't, but right. like, that's, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like that seems reasonable. Okay. And equitable. That's not. But is that because you're okay with it that it's a good equitable boundary? I don't know if it, I don't know if me being okay with it is necessarily even like the conversation. Okay. Is it like it's? I don't know. 
because it's not it's because it's not about them being good or bad. Like not, there's not a value judgment on boundaries, right? Right. So you look at it and you're thinking, okay, to me, it's like, does it make sense? Like that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It would also make sense if that wasn't the rule, right? So it's not about like there's not it is you know what I mean? Like it would make sense either way. Like whatever you're comfortable with, like I can't I don't want to put a value judgment on your comfortable comfortability with things. Okay. Well, then let's do this. Let's go back to when we first started having threesomes. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to do anything. <laughs> I was basically a spectator. You were yes. literally just there to watch. I was a designated hitter. Very much here for that. Um, <laughs> didn't know I was so into that. Anyways, so I wouldn't allow you to kiss anyone, penetrate anyone. Um, you going? Were you allowed to go down on anyone? Yes. Okay, you could do that. They could go down on you, and that's pretty much it. And I like you. Re- you had to limit how long you touched someone, how long you looked at them. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable, but <laughs> well, you were, but it was also, we were, you know, it's like, that, again, that seems silly now, but it made the most sense in the world. It did. Okay. So that's what I'm talking about. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to is it depends on where you are because the boundaries you have at every stage of this are the ones that benefit you at that stage. Well, I think one of the mistakes that we make and other people make as well is that they think that the third variable in the situation, i.e. the other person doesn't have a role on what your boundaries are when they 1000% do mm-hmm. like there, like that's, there's a very specific thing with Roxy that is like, makes things a little bit more comfortable, a little bit easier. And if she met her dream guy tomorrow and this wasn't a thing anymore that we would be unlikely to find in someone else for a substantial amount of time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's, that's a variable too, mm-hmm. right? There's just a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of nuance to the whole situation. So it's like that. And even so it would like you would think if you just thought about like linear progression of openness that like, okay, well, if you take her out of the picture and then sub in somebody else that it would, you would just keep moving in the same direction, mm-hmm. which is not true at no, all. You would you go, to like you would start over. You would probably, probably say we're taking, I don't want to like put even a value judgment on like the progress in our openness or whatever, but say we took like three steps forward in the situation, remove her from the situation. We'd probably take two steps back. Right. Right. And kind of reevaluate, but things would be a little bit different, mm-hmm. obviously, because now you have more context. Yeah. And that's one of the things too. And this is kind of a fundamental driver of my own kind of life philosophy as well. Is like, you only have the ability to choose something that you have context on. So if you don't have, that's why openness to experience is something I value so highly is because if you don't explore something, then you don't know that you can choose that thing. Yes. That is so important for you to say, because I think that's where I get fucked up is I've never been in most of these scenarios. I've never been in any of these scenarios before. Well, we're doing it together too, because I really haven't. Correct. And I project fear and stories on everything that I have never experienced before and always go to the worst case scenario on all of them. And so then I talk myself out of something that could be potentially amazing. And I have experienced that with the boundaries, right? I say, no, you absolutely can't do that. And then three months later, you do that thing I was so scared of because I tell you like, okay, I'm ready for you to do this. Can we try it? And then you do that thing and it's the hottest fucking shit I've ever seen. And I'm like, but, why was I so scared of this? But we've also got it in over our heads well, yeah. in a situation where <laughs> we thought it was cool. It very much wasn't cool. And that's one thing that's also harder because you have to say like, hey, we're not going to judge that experience. We're going to take it in and put it in our fucking treasure chest of, of experiences yeah. and use that to make future decisions. And that may mean that was a step back and we kind of kind of reevaluate what's going on, which is also productive and yes. also healthy. It and was gotta, one of the best things that ever happened. You've got to be able to put yourselves in those situations too, because you can't think that every time, like we've had a really good track record of trying different things and then working out amazingly. It was only a matter of time, right? Like this, it's just like playing, playing cards, playing poker, right? 
It's just a matter of time till you lose your ass, mm-hmm. right? And the more you win, the more arrogant you get about things being awesome, and then you fuck it up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll be okay with everything. Let's just do it all. And then it's like, yeah, that's so not okay. You've got to accept both sides of the spectrum. And that's that's super, I think, super important when you get out off the like traditional path of relationshipness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of out there with a machete just trying to hack away and make your own little trail, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have people like Alexa who like help. Little trail guides, <laughs> little Sherpas of the of, of open relationships. Yeah. And I but. think it's interesting too, like even the other night um, when she was here, I was feeling really insecure and sensitive that whole day and the day before really too. And I, I didn't know why nothing was wrong. You hadn't done anything, but everything was kind of like bothering me and I just felt off. And then during our experience with her, I felt really off and I, it didn't feel good to me. And you looked at me finally, like in the middle of it. And you just said, are you okay? And I was like, no. And so then we kind of like shifted things. And then after it was over, we all laying there. And luckily Roxanne is amazing and is so much like me. She's in my head. And she just looked at me and she was like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just not okay. Like I, this bothered me and this bothered me. And I don't know what's happening. And I feel really uncomfortable. And like, no one did anything wrong. That's the thing. It was like, no one blatantly like left me out or said something that made me uncomfortable, did something that was outside of my boundaries at all. It was totally fine. It just didn't feel good. And we, we all talked for a while and it felt so nice because I think sometimes with this stuff, because a lot of people don't talk about it, it's not mainstream, it's not in every conversation you're having, like normal relationships, it helps to speak it out loud and to share because when I say it out loud, I'm like, wow, that was really stupid. I didn't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But when you can feel anxiety in your body and something feels off and you're not able to verbalize it or understand it, it can just get really overwhelming. And that's kind of where I was. I just felt like I was holding on to something. I didn't know what was going on and I just felt really overwhelmed. Well, yesterday morning, I realized that I'm a week out from my period and my hormones are crazy. And so this is how I get, but I didn't know that was happening. And so I felt totally, I'm fine now. None, yeah. none of that was a problem, but I think being able to verbalize it and talk it through and be in communication is so important because even if everything is fine, no one crossed boundaries, you are allowed to feel uncomfortable or not like the situation. Maybe you're having an off day. Maybe you're stressed out. Maybe it was just too much for you at that time. And that's okay too. And I think that's part of the boundaries conversation because it's always going to change. And I told her, I think you had gotten up and it was just her and I laying there and she's like, she's just like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And I said, it's just weird because I feel different day to day. And these are the conversations that Connor and I have alone after you leave. How is that for you? Are you okay? Like, what do you need? And that's the only way I think you can have this kind of dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I want to say the only way because well, I don't know anybody else's yeah. world. I mean, you could do it without conversation, but I don't feel like that's necessary. I mean, dude, there's some things out like there's don't ask, don't tell relationships. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they don't, they were just like, this is better for me to not talk about this. But I think there's a lot of communication leading up to that scenario of like, this is what I need. This is what you need. This is how we're going to navigate it. I would hope so. Yeah. Or it's just something you do when you're circling the drain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That was a really cool experience too, being able to talk about it after the fact. I know. I thought you were actually going to get mad at me. Because because you have expectations of how I'm going to be respond to things. Yeah, no, I just thought <laughs> we had never talked about it with someone before, especially yeah. like everyone naked in bed. Well, you also you but you take charge of that, and it's like we're we're playing a game of telephone through you, basically. Yeah. 
which sometimes is not the best way to go about things. It also puts a lot of pressure on you, I think, to orchestrate all the conversations. Well, but that's me controlling it in order to be the center of the universe. And that's something I'm working on. Oh, you're the center of my universe, babe. Thank you, babe. And you're the center of the dog's universe. Well, I know that much. Um, No, it's something I'm working on too. It's all... It's all a fucking learning experience. And I had this realization the other night I wanted to share on the show with you. I haven't verbalized it. So if this doesn't make sense, I'm sorry. But I have known from the beginning pretty much that this is the dynamic that you wanted, right? And that this was important to you to have this openness and curiosity and play. And you wanted to engage in this with your partner. And I kept telling myself, that's not something I ever wanted before you, not in this, but before you. Mm -hmm. And then the other night, you know, when you have those moments where your entire life flashes before your eyes and then everything makes sense. Yeah. Right before you die. Yeah. Well, I had that <laughs> still here. And maybe what I saw, I could be on another fucking dimension. Who knows? Um, what I saw was all of my relationships falling apart. And what I saw was that in almost every scenario, I wanted the ability to be with other people And I was extremely bored in every relationship, sexually dissatisfied and felt like I was trapped and felt like I was supposed to be in that relationship dynamic of, you know, whatever, get married, have kids, do the thing. Um, The very traditional route. And I kept wanting something different, but I just, so I would be in a relationship, I'd go be slutty and then I'd find another same relationship, same thing. Pretty traditional pattern. Right. But what I realized the other night is that this is actually the dynamic that I really wanted. The ability to be free and open and be with people in different experiences and be curious and not be bored and constantly be wondering and not feel like I am tied to a traditional experience. I did not know how held back I felt Mm -hmm. and how chained to this traditional way of being I felt. And then I just saw it all happen before me and I just realized, well, that's never what I wanted, but that's what I thought I was supposed to have. And now I have the thing that feels so good. And so I'm constantly trying to ruin it or freak out because it's scary because it's what I always wanted. And I literally have everything I could ever want right now. And that in the controlling, I don't believe I deserve this mentality that I've had is very triggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting, right? Yeah, it is. I actually had a thought the other day about my past relationships too. What was that? Because we were very public about all of our stuff, you know? And <laughs> I thought the other day, I was like, man, what are the girls that I used to date think about this whole situation? Oh, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I think any of the ones, which I actually had a conversation with somebody that I dated briefly, uh, that was a kind of a dumpster fire, but fun um, about some things. But anyways, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, like, I think the consensus would be like, that son of a bitch figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with somebody like Amanda, for example, mm-hmm. who is just like the best ex-girlfriend ever. And it's just is a great person. Like, just, I think also just we're just cheerleaders for each other mm-hmm. because we know each other really well. And and she got she got a hold of me at like a really inopportune time, mm-hmm. um, but totally could have seen myself ending up with her, right? Like that was... That was the relationship that was, she was such a great girlfriend that I knew I had to figure some shit out because I was fucking that up, mm-hmm. you know, and I cared about her so much. So for like, I look at this and I think like, oh, that's probably like, that's probably the consensus. You know, there's probably one out there that's probably like this fucking asshole, but you know. I think that my exes would probably be just jaws dropped to the floor with the way I am and the dynamic that we have. I, so I, um, we don't need to get into this. This is a whole other conversation, but I had the most beautiful conversation with my ex the other day, which came out of nowhere and was so fucking healing and beautiful. 
And it was crazy talking to him because, you know, when you talk to someone you haven't talked to in years and it's almost like a time warp, mm-hmm. but you're taking right back and it was like nothing had ever happened kind of, I yeah. mean, a lot had happened, but you know, you just, you just go back right into conversation and that's how I felt. But as it happened, it was like, I went back into who I was when I was with him. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is so interesting because I, I can now see how different I am. And I don't know that he knows all the details of our relationship. He knows a lot of things. I shared a lot with him. And he was so supportive, but the the whole time I'm just thinking, what the fuck does this, would this guy think if he knew the details of what our relationship is like? Because I remember when he brought up a threesome one time, homie only brought it up one time because I lit his ass up and it was over text message. And I was like, absolutely not. Da-da-da-da. Such a bitch. And now I'm looking at that thinking I, I should apologize to him. I should text him after the show and be like, <laughs> I'm so sorry for being such a psychotic bitch. I'm dating a girl. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so bizarre. And I had such a stick up my ass and I don't know. I just, I think those people would probably think there's no fucking way. Are you kidding me? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Wild. But at the same time, I don't know. What? People learn. Because a lot of guys couldn't, I mean, a lot of guys be like, yeah, that's awesome, but I would never want to be a part of that. Right. And that's how, and that's, we've had that conversation. We had it with Roxy the other day, just how, yeah, like dating after this situation will be interesting because you have that now. Yeah. We were asking her if she, if she went on a date, would she be like leading with, so I'm dating this couple and <laughs> yeah, is that something you're interested in? Oh. But even yeah, but then guys, I, I which I can't wrap my mind around guys that get super insecure about their their chicks being with chicks. I so, it just it doesn't. I don't. It just doesn't compute for me. I'm like it breaks my brain. Well, you're but yes, you're fine with women being with other women. But again, hard boundary for us is that I'm not with other men. Yeah. But a lot of people would say, well, why is that a problem? Yeah. Which I would be like, I don't have to explain myself. Like, what did I say to you last <laughs> night? Um, babe, what would you do if I sent you a sex tape, tape of me fucking another guy? And you were like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even say words. No, nope. I didn't even break what I was doing. I just kept, we were watching nope. Billions. And yeah. I was like, by the way, Billions is a fantastic show. Please watch it's it. It's worth whatever, the $11 a month you're going to spend on Showtime. I know everybody's poor because of COVID. I get it. I've been there. It sucks. Um, but also Showtime is worth it. Get that free month and then just keep using different emails to get more free months if mm-hmm. that's the case. Because Billions is the shit. Such a good show. So the other thing, and I know it's been about an hour, um, and we are considering having Roxy on the show. She would like to share her experience because she is awesome and wants to help other people. So hopefully we can make that happen when the time is right. But something I thought was really profound about this experience is not only me opening up and me being more available to new experiences and getting curious and really pushing myself to my edges so that I get to experience everything I want. But something that I asked you the other night, I think is really important to share. So Connor and I have normal sex. We are not crazy. The uh, Everyone who thinks we have a fucking sex dungeon next to the podcast studio <laughs> with fucking sex swings, though I want one, we don't have one. Well, we don't have space for it. In the no, house. but we don't have, we're not <laughs> crazy ass people. Like, I really want to be clear about that because I actually think that's important because most people think that what you and I do 
is reserved for a certain type of human. Yeah. We're pretty normal fucking people. We have missionary sex. We have what Connor calls chill sex where it's me on top and it's slow and cool and sex- sensual. And then, you know, it's done. It's not like yeah, this our, whole our, event. Our personal sex lives is not like outrageous. It's, yeah. No. We're, yeah. We, we have, have sex like, we have like what, three or four shit, times like, a week. I think, yeah, one thing that doesn't happen is like you use toys and stuff, which yeah. I think a lot of people, I mean, that's also guys get insecure about that, which is mm-hmm. also silly. No, um, and you love it. Yeah. Well, it also just takes the pressure off and keeps me from making my mouth so tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to use this thing all day. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that part because Roxanne did ask if we had a sex dungeon and I thought that was hilarious. So um, we are pretty normal. I think I have been more open sexually about things I want to try and asking to be tied up or do all this different stuff. And you have been very resistant. What I have experienced in this whole thing over the last month is you opening up so much. And honestly, it has been the sexiest, most amazing thing to witness. Even in the middle of it, I'm like, holy fuck, Connor never does that. Like, this is my internal dialogue. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Okay, don't overreact or make a big deal. Like, just let him do what he's doing. This is so cool though, holy shit. You know, so I'm thinking these things and you made a really great point. And I wanna share this because I think this would really help couples. Connor, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you basically said, well, isn't it obvious You've been so open to trying new things and getting curious that I feel more comfortable doing the same thing. And so I'm able to try things that I've thought about, but never actually done. I was the first person you had ever tied up like six weeks ago in your whole life. And that was a big deal for you. And so now it's like baby steps of feeling comfortable and safe to try these things and having a partner who is super open, who allows you to do the same. So I would just love for you to share your perspective on that. Well, no, I mean, it's not that like... The thing was with me, and if you had, if I had a, a a kink or something that was like, and a lot of kinks like power driven, it was just, it was spontaneity. You know what I mean? It was like just doing something reckless or, but it's, but that's by definition not planned. Like I don't plan to do things spontaneously. That would make no sense. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it was kind of hard for me to speak to what I wanted to try or anything like that because it, it would usually be like, oh, I want to do this and I would just do it. You know what I mean? Or I wouldn't and it would, the moment would pass and I'm just, whatever. So having a third in the situation meant that, and what I was telling you is like, well, one, it does put some pressure on me to like be more open to it because you're kind of patterning that for me. But at the same time, we're doing stuff when it's, it feels like less pressure because there's someone else there, whether that's me and you doing something or me and her doing something or you two doing something. It's like, it gives me a little bit less, it feels like a little bit less pressure and a little bit less awkward. And you would think it would feel more awkward with two people, but with it, three people, you mean? with three, two people outside of myself. Excuse yeah. Me. Yeah. When you're tying somebody up or something, mm-hmm. but it actually feels a lot easier and I don't know why. And I think, you know, I talk about this a lot too, when it comes to developing context and openness to experiences, once you kind of cross the threshold, it's like your gateway drug, mm-hmm. right? Like that there's a reason that weed was dictated a gateway drug is because they classified it in the same drug class as heroin. So once you've already entered into that thing, it's much easier to try new things versus having an honest dialogue about where uh, weed and mushrooms land on the scale of harmfulness to heroin and, um, you know, fentanyl, right? Like they're obviously not the same thing. Um, But if you put them all in the same class, it kind of, it it creates a gateway situation, right? Where like, you're obviously going to get exposure to the first easiest thing first. So in the same way for a positive versus a negative, um, you're doing something already outside of your comfort zone, my comfort zone. So we're in like a new 
territory. So it's a lot easier for me to try new stuff in that. And also feeling like if I fuck it up, it's just gonna be funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's the thing is like, cause when you, it's hard for me to do, take things seriously. You know that even though I don't like laugh our whole, like I'm not like cutting jokes the whole time we're having sex or anything like that, but it's hard for me to like think to do a thing and be focused and do that. And you know, it's just hard. It's hard for me to even talk about it. Um, because I don't really have the words, not because I don't want to, like, I'd love to sit here and discuss it for three hours at length, but I just don't have the words for it. Uh, but being in that scenario, it did give me a little bit more like willingness slash like desire to do things. And when you also, when you have two people that are like asking for a thing, it's like, okay, fuck fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, because we have great sex anyway. So it's Mm -hmm. like, we do different things. We mix it up and we like, we keep it, we keep it spicy, you know? And sometimes just the lack of spiciness is, is kind spicy nice. and it's so yeah. yeah it's like okay this is like a nice reprieve from having to try so hard and just like having a nice time yeah um so yeah it, it's hard for me to like i said hard to put words to it and i know i'm a professional podcaster so i should be better at that but no i love it i'm doing the best i can here guys i think it's great i think it just speaks to you know i think connor and i are catalysts for each other in growth in different ways because where we struggle is different where we thrive is different and I think that this dynamic has really shown us how we can give each other permission to try new things, to be curious. Um, And it definitely trickles into other parts of our lives. Our relationship is fucking so much better because of this. And I really think that, you know, I, I talk about sex a lot on my show. It's a really big deal to me. I believe it's the catalyst. I believe that it is your fucking gateway to everything. I think our sexuality is more important than spirituality. I think sexuality is the fucking portal for your spiritual awakening. And I could talk about that forever, but I I really believe that the way you and I show up in this dynamic is a catalyst for everything in our relationship. And it has opened things up and it has allowed us to share more and, you know, lean into our desires and try things and um, be more vulnerable. And I wanted to share all of that because I think that for people who are interested in this or curious or even just want insight into what this dynamic looks like, maybe you are into it, your partner's not, or maybe you're just looking for more freedom and sharing desires and you don't ever want to bring someone else in your bedroom. That's amazing too. Just being able to have these fucking conversations and say, hey, I think it would be super sexy if you blindfolded me and tied me up and turned me over on the edge of the bed and then did this thing. In order to get to that, you have to just start having the conversations and we both kind of instigated it in our own ways. And I think there's just kind of a passing of the baton back and forth, which has allowed both of us to grow tremendously. Well, and that's the thing too, is like having the conversation and then doing it when it feels right. Yes. Like, cause if you just have the conversation, then do it and you're in your head, it's like, Sometimes you're just feeling a little, you know, you're feeling a little, a little frisky, a little, yeah. you, know, you, feel, you know, you're just feeling it coming. You're like, oh, you know, I'll try a little something new today, you know? And <laughs> just because you have a desire or fantasy doesn't mean you have to do it, right? So it no, took yeah. it, some of the things that Connor and I do now are things that I talked about starting a year ago and I wasn't okay with them happening in real life until a month ago. And that's okay. But me talking about it, made our sex life way hotter. Yeah. I mean, we, and that's, there's a, I think there's an, uh, Esther Perel uses this example, but like rape fantasies are very common. Right. Right. And you, but you don't like spring that one on somebody mm-hmm. without severe warning. Right. So it's like, there's, that's an extreme example of like, you know, drawing a line between fantasy and reality. And you want to use one, you want to use fantasy to enhance reality, not, you know, create a negative patterning there. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So Good stuff. anyways, we just wanted to give you all some insight into what the fuck we've been up to over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have any questions, let us know. Like I said, we're hoping to have a, another conversation about this with our little friend. A little friend. But um, also, if we offended you with our COVID remarks and you made it all the way through, congratulations on being a grown up <laughs> and taking a joke. I know it's bad out there. I get it. I don't take it serious enough and I'm probably not going to, but I still love you and I hope you have a great day. Thanks everyone. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.